0: I was about 18 and I received the news that my dad, not my real dad actually, died. I just remember my whole body being crushed with about a million emotions. I just went through waves, in and out of waves of like really deep depression, but nothing really helped. Because he wasn't my real dad, I felt that I didn't deserve to feel those feelings of grief. Affected my whole life, it affected my family, affected everybody, but I was just dealing with the grief. 17 years, 11 countries. I don't want this moving forward anymore. I'm tired and I don't want this anymore. I don't want this life, you know?
1: Hi and welcome to Let's Listen with Kieran McBreen. My name's Andrew Ward and I'm here with Kieran tonight. How are you, Kieran? I'm great, Andrew, thank you. And we've got a, a very powerful show today, haven't we, with Jasmine Navarro. She talks about grief that she suffered and the onset of depression following the death of her estranged stepfather. But this is this goes on for years, doesn't it?
2: Yeah, it's quite disturbing, Andrew. You know, she, she at 18, she clearly didn't have the toolkit, the support mechanism you know, around her to support her through this. Um, you know, she used the word depression many times and, and you could see it in her eyes how, you know, how, how, how angry she was about this. Um, the term depression can be very loosely used, you know, but um, it's something that we need to take extremely serious. And there was also a lot of, you know, she was self-critical, massively mm, self-critical. Yeah, massively, wasn't it? You know, so it's, um, it's something we need to look out for in people, you know, when they're critical of themselves. and just giving themselves a hard time. And, you know, I say it in the show today that we can be so kind
1: to to many people, but we need to remember to be kind to ourselves. And that's one of the most important things we've learned from these shows, is the importance of talking. You have to talk to somebody, anybody who you can, anybody you trust, do talk. And with that, this is Jasmine Navara.
2: Jasmine, how are you?
0: Hi, Kieran, I'm fine, thanks, how are you?
2: Jasmine, thanks so much for coming on today. Um, Jasmine, please tell us, what is your why? What brings you here?
0: I would like to tell my story. I feel like, you know, it's been a long journey and I've done a lot of work on myself. And I feel like maybe sharing my story could somehow benefit others who have gone through similar, you know, situations. And I just feel like it's time to share my story. It's time.
2: Fantastic. So, Let's go, Jasmine. Tell us your story.
0: It started when I was about 18 and I received the news that my dad, not my real dad actually, died. But the thing was, I found out in the newspaper and my friend literally just said to me, oh, by the way, did you know that so-and-so has died? I just remember my whole body, my whole being, everything just like, being crushed by a ton of bricks or I mean I still haven't worked out what that was all of those feelings it was just being crushed with about a million emotions I'll never really forget that and then I just went home and I told my mum and she said let's get the newspaper because they weren't together at the time so she got the newspaper straight away and she said yeah it's true and he's not coming back I just didn't really know what to do it was just like so final and that's the end And my mum said maybe he committed suicide because he was so unhappy. Basically, I went on to grieve as if he'd committed suicide for about 10 years, and that's when I found out. But anyway, so I just got depressed almost immediately because I think I just blamed myself straight away because I remember we'd seen him six months before, and he had said, let's go for a coffee. And my mum said, no, it's not a good idea because it was such a complicated situation. So we didn't. I don't know if that's why I felt guilty. I don't know, but I was blaming myself. I felt guilty and I just didn't know what to do. I just went through waves in and out of waves of like really deep depression. And, you know, I was 18, so of course my friends didn't know what to do. They didn't know about depression. Nobody really knew much about depression then. I didn't know anybody who had suffered from it, but nothing really helped. And I, and I still, at that time, didn't realize why I was depressed. Um, even though people would say to me, what's wrong with you? You've got a really nice life. Why why are you depressed? And I would always think my dad's died, but I could never say it anyway. So I just wanted to get out of that situation. So when I was feeling okay, because I would have periods where I was feeling okay, I would look for jobs. I ended up going to Venezuela, but that was one thing to see my real dad. But Anyway, that was a bit of a disaster as well. That's another podcast. Um, so I became a teacher and I started teaching English. That was my way to get out of this situation. So I went to Turkey and then, and then I would come back to my, I'd be depressed again, and then I would come home and then I would go back again. And this went on for a few years. But when I was in Turkey, it was there I realized um, why I had been depressed. So it took a good few years for me to connect The dots and admit it to myself because he wasn't my real dad i felt that i didn't deserve to feel those feelings of grief and because everybody around me was saying what's wrong i felt like i didn't deserve to feel that pain for somebody who wasn't my dad anyway so then i went on to switzerland i think it was and i taught there for a while about a year most countries i stayed from one to three years um and actually i met teachers who were doing the same thing so it was kind of normal. I was processing my grief. That's what I was doing. And yeah, and then, you know, one country I realised it's not my fault. I think that took me about five or six years into it. When I realised that, then I started getting better. And I never got depressed after that. But that was after about eight years. So I had depression on and off for eight years. And it, was, it wasn't just, oh, I'm not feeling good today. It was it pretty you know, bad. It affected my whole life, it affected my family, it affected everybody. But I was just dealing with the grief. Um, so yeah, I ended up teaching and working abroad for about 17 years. I got more qualifications because obviously when I left the UK I was 18 and I didn't have a degree or anything. So during, when I was abroad I, I studied for my degree. Every country there was a new learning and new insights really and it was part of my recovery. But it wasn't until I came to Dubai about seven, eight years ago that I stopped for the first time. I don't know if it was timing or I was ready or what, but I look back and I was just like, 17 years, 11 countries. I don't want this moving forward anymore. I'm tired and I don't want this anymore. I don't want this life, you know. But I was like, what on earth am I going to do? You know, I've been teaching for so long. And um, I kind of put it out to the universe, guide me. <laughs> and, um, and I kept meeting co-active coaches. So I thought, oh, this is a sign. Because I must have met about five or something. I was like, this is a sign. So I thought, I'll be coached. And then I can figure out what I want to do with my life. That might help me. During the training, it <laughs> for me, it was so hard. And I'm not joking, like, I was in the room, my heart was beating, to be honest, I hated every second of it. The first training I did, the first course, because it was the first time I was being seen in front of all these people and working on my emotions. I say I worked on my emotions a little bit when I was travelling or whatever, but, but not really. So I felt like I was working on myself healing in front of an audience. But I just knew my intuition was telling me this is the only way, like... If you don't go through this, then nothing's going to change. Like, you have to do this. And with each course, there was such a huge transformation. And even people were saying it to me. They were like, you are transforming. This is incredible, which was nice in one way. But in another way, I thought I felt so vulnerable because like everyone could see as well. Anyway, at the end of that, I thought that's when I was just like, wow, I don't need to change my job, life, country, da da da. I can just like work on myself. And then that was when this huge realization came and I was just like, wow, this is so powerful. And probably it was because it was the right time. I really do believe it was the right time for me to, you know, look within myself. Um, so I thought this is what I want to do, help others. Like what's more important than this? So I got certified and then I was coaching adults and I still do coach adults, but then I thought, you know what? When I was a teenager, if I'd have had some of these tools and techniques to process emotions and all of the other things we learn with coaching, my life would have been easier because when I was 18, I didn't have one single tool. Okay, apart from my intuition, I do believe I was very intuitive and that's what helped me. So I started coaching teenagers and then I created one workshop to teach key tools and techniques. And that was the good thing about being a teacher for so long. Because I was like, this is why I was a teacher for so long. I know how to plan a workshop. It's so easy. It's like planning a lesson. So, yeah, I started giving workshops to schools and universities. And um, and then I made my program because I did about 12 workshops. And I thought, oh, I can make a program. You know, just uh, teaching simple, very, very simple things. It doesn't have to be, you know, rocket science. And try to make it fun as well. And that's, yeah, what I did. And then I got my podcast for... 18 to 24-year-olds given the youth a voice because I think I didn't have that voice. Um, So it was all about, I guess, coaching my younger self, maybe. Um, That's it, really, I guess.
2: Thank you so much, Jasmine. And, and, And it's great to see such a fantastic transformation take place. So well done to you. Jasmine, let me take you back to the word depression. For those people who don't know much about it, How would you describe it?
0: Uh, How would I describe it? Um, I don't know, dark, black, um, just completely losing your whole self identity. Like, just feeling like nothing, absolutely nothing. You know, people would talk to me and, I had nothing to say, like no no voice, like no voice. And they'd say, come on, like what's, nothing, like pure sadness, pure nothing, nothingness, absolute nothingness. It was like my whole personality had completely gone. And I just was existing. Um, I couldn't do anything. I mean, it was, I remember I couldn't even tidy my room like that was just way too much i couldn't i couldn't you know it was i think and you know i guess it was kind of self-destructive i remember going to the doctors i had an amazing doctor i'm so grateful to him because he never put me on medication because he he was like you're doing this to yourself you know you are on the path to self-destruction and i and i hated myself And that's what I would say. I hate myself, you know. But I couldn't figure out why, or, you know, it was just this whole doom and gloom of hate. Um, I would be okay. I would have periods of being okay, but then it would come back. But it's like, like I said before, it only went away for good when I really realized it wasn't my fault. Because then when I realized it wasn't my fault, I stopped hating myself. And I realized I deserved to feel okay.
2: But. That took a long time. <laughs> this blame, this self-destruction and, uh, and you taking, taking this all on your shoulders, Jasmine. You know, I hate using the word why in any conversation, but I feel, I feel in your defence, I want to say, why did you feel that this was all your fault?
0: I have no idea. It was just automatic. It was just like, when I got the news, it was just like my body went into utter shock, pure, utter shock. It was like shock, trauma on another level. I mean, like, I've been shocked before, but this was just like my whole body, everything stopped at that moment, like everything stopped. And then it's like my brain, looking back now, it felt, felt like my brain changed, everything changed in that moment, how I thought. It was such a massive um, physical feeling and mental feeling, which I don't ever want to experience again. Um, but actually, even now, I get scared about things because I'm like, anything can happen at any time. Because we know that. Life is like that, isn't it? We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. But I think I have it quite a bit because of that shock, because it was such a shock. Um, maybe because I was young, I don't know. all the way I was told or because I was so close to him.
2: What role does your mum play in this, Jasmine?
0: I think we found it hard. My mum found it hard to talk to me about things like emotions and things like that. Um, And I think looking back now, she was going through her own grief. She just couldn't talk about things full stop. So we didn't ever really talk about emotions. I mean she did her best and she was she's amazing but i think she had her own things going on so i think it was hard for her to be emotionally available she didn't know she didn't know how to be emotionally available and emotionally present for me she just didn't know she wasn't taught it and that's another reason why i want to support parents as well because it's like if you're not taught these things tools and techniques you can't just suddenly know can you nobody taught my mum so she didn't know So she couldn't really be there for me. But looking back, I think, would it have made a big difference? I don't know. Because it was all coming from me. This pain, you know, it was my pain. But it affected my mum and it affected my brother as well.
2: Tell me about the relationship with your brother at this time.
0: He must have been about 13. I just remember it affected his school. He was at school and the teacher's spoke to my mum and said is there anything going on at home because he's changed his behavior's changed and I just remember feeling it just made me feel more guilty that was the thing I just whatever happened I just felt more guilty because I was in that frame of mind of blame and guilt so anything that happened I twisted it and blamed myself you know so whatever happened it was my fault you know so uh, it was just my mindset I was in and the words I was saying to myself But, yeah, it affected him. Of course, it affected my mum. She was so worried about me. And I think if somebody's suffering in your family, everyone will feel it, you know. Yeah, it it was a really awful time, to be honest. Like, And, and like, eight years. It went on for eight years. So it was a long time because it was basically 18 to I was 26. So it was like, you know, and I know people talk about how your 20s and your teens are the best time of your life or something. And I'm like, uh, no, definitely not. <laughs> definitely not. But but now I somehow feel kind of grateful for that in a weird way because now I'm just like, wow, learning all of that at such a young age, I think has really given me a lot of um, resilience. And I can I see life in a different way.
2: It's really interesting that you say that, Jasmine, because I've written down here in capital letters, resilience. You know, you've clearly demonstrated lots of it in your life. Um, and let's let's now focus on on the solutions, on the strategies that you used. One of them clearly was moving from country to country, becoming a teacher and, and helping and serving other people. Um, did you feel that for you that this was a, a way of escaping the problem?
0: It's funny because like a lot of people used used to say to me, oh, you're running away. And then other people would say, you're so brave. So it's like, well, which one is it? <laughs> I can't be both. But I don't know if I was running away. I don't think I was. Like, because number one, you can't actually run away from yourself. So, you know, that's totally impossible. I think I was putting myself in a better situation so I could manage each step of my grief recovery at a time. If I'd have stayed in that place, which was quite dysfunctional, nobody's fault, but it was because we weren't talking about anything. Health, you know, we weren't staying where I was wasn't helping. That was for sure. So I knew I had to get out of that situation, and that was my best way to do it. I had to get a job. I couldn't just have some time off. So. For me, I think I definitely did the best I could have done. And I don't know if it, I don't see it as running away. I see it as um, putting myself in a different situation so I could cope.
2: And that alone, Jasmine, is a fantastic coaching skill because you're reframing the situation, you're changing your perspective. You know, tell me, Jasmine, tell me what other strategies worked for you or have been working since for you?
0: Listening to your intuition, I think. And I definitely think with coaching, I've really worked on that even more because I think that's what helped me, listening to my intuition, because my head was just completely full with so much stuff. So that helped me then, and I think it's helping me now as well. And I think if you can tap into your body, really listen to your body, it has simple answers, and, um, and you can be more in tune with yourself. So building the connection with yourself. And I think the more like you process your emotions, especially me with the, the grief and all of that, I'm just becoming closer to myself and, yeah, listening to myself. And then, of course, and then you become more conscious of what you're saying to yourself. So I'm very conscious of the words I say to myself now. You know, the the way I spoke to myself during that time was just horrendous. And I still had quite a lot of negative self-talk after that. I was generally quite negative towards myself. That was kind of normal. But it was only since coaching that I completely changed that, done a 360 on that. It's like, no, this is time to be nice. (laughs) Like that. Yeah,
2: say words. I really like that um, that example, Jasmine, because we we can be so kind to many people, but maybe not so kind to ourselves. And if we if we all put ourselves first, sometimes, sometimes I encourage not sometimes at all, many times. I encourage people to be selfish. You know, we live in a world where being selfish is is a negative thing, and it doesn't have to be a negative thing, because if we can look after number one, then we can help other people.
0: 100% agree,
2: 100%. Jasmine, you you do some work with teenagers, and if the 18-year-old Jasmine came to you seeking your support and help, what would you do and what would you like to say to her?
0: It's such a powerful question and I I just, because when I think about when I was 18, I felt so like, as if nothing could help me, you know, nobody could help me, nothing could help. Whatever anyone said, did. Um, I, I didn't give up, I nearly gave up. Um, so what would have helped me Um, it's really hard because I think I felt like I guess it probably wouldn't been coming from somebody else it would have been from me didn't matter what anyone said so it would have been for me to realise way before that it wasn't my fault yeah I can't think of what if anyone would have said anything, yeah, I don't think it would have
2: helped. If we if we dig into your coaching training, which which clearly you have identified as as been helpful towards your transformation, was there any particular skills and strategies that you learned there that you could apply when you were at in?
0: That's a good question. I guess. Maybe somebody holding that space for me and, and, and really helping me be conscious of what I was feeling, because I think I was completely traumatized. So probably therapy would have helped, actually. Um, maybe, I don't know if coaching would have been enough then, I don't know. But I think for someone to sort of name my feelings for me like sit with me and say you know what are you actually feeling i don't think anybody asked me that question ever they just said what's wrong with you or something but maybe if somebody said you know can you try and draw it or name it or explain maybe that would have helped because and i feel like that's in coaching you know we do that you know name the feeling describe the feeling process of feeling i think that could have helped because it was all emotions i was just drowning in all of these emotions there was just so many so i think maybe that that could have helped
2: so it sounds to me jasmine that maybe separating the feelings from the body is is the key tool here would that be correct
0: our emotions are absolutely everything i really believe that and we don't talk about them enough and and We are, it's all about our, everything is about our emotions, isn't it? When you think about it.
2: So would you say that when you were 18, 18 to 26, was it? That you just kept it all inside, it bottled up inside you?
0: I think so, yeah. Because I was feeling them, of course. I felt them. But I think I just probably avoided them, distracted myself, got busy. Just put them down. It's like, oh no, don't want to be feeling that but I did it all so you know subconsciously but I felt them I was feeling them the whole time it's horrendous
2: it's that negative spiral that we can easily fall into for many aspects of our life our you know our mental health our physical health diet you know everything and we need to be very conscious and we need to be very aware of what's going on and what impact that can have on the next and the next and the next you know so so Jasmine I'm gonna flip it now a bit to um before we go to to today, what's happening with you today?
0: Yeah, so today i'm um I feel like I'm at peace today, at least who knows what tomorrow is going to bring. So I'm really trying to live in the present and because um, that's all we have, I think. And you know i'm I'm happy because I'm supporting parents, um, and I'm working with teenagers, you know, helping them as well, just teaching them basic tools and techniques and yeah I'm very happy doing that and I'm just appreciating the simple things in life you know being healthy um having my family simple things you know I and I think that's what all of this has taught me it's just the simple actually my mom taught me this as well because you know she's very you know she believes in all of that you know simple things being in the garden you know, planting tomatoes, you know, things like this. And I think, yeah, the simple things are the most important things.
2: And how how are things now with mum and your brother?
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, I just spent six months in the UK, so I think mine and my mum's relationship is much better now. It's probably the best it's ever been, actually. You know, we don't talk about everything, but <laughs> we talk about a lot more, so... And I've realised everybody's on their own journey. I'm not going to force my mum, you need to open up, you need to do this. It's like, that's her journey and I respect that. She knows what's best for her. I know what's best for me and my brother as well. People have to do what they need to do in their own time, I believe. You know, I don't think you can force anybody to do anything. So I think it's about accepting other people for who they are and respecting their decisions. And at the end of the day, we can just work on ourselves, can't we? That's all we can do. And I think the more we work on ourselves, which is a never ending journey, the more compassion, empathy, understanding we have for other people.
2: And just on that Jasmine, and this seems to be, for me, what, what happened to you from, from, from listening is that you, you worked on yourself, you know? Um, when you were younger, Maybe, maybe you had in your head that, that some, it's somebody else will have to fix this and, and your body was closed to that. But once you started this, this work within your coaching and therapy or whatever it was, you know, once you started working on you, knowing what's important to you, being more self-aware, then you started to see some changes.
0: Definitely, 100%. Yeah, that's exactly it. The awareness is the first step.
2: So what's next, Jasmine?
0: yeah <laughs> what's next <laughs> i'm just like processing all of that but what's next um well i guess to help more families that's that's what i'm doing now and you know you know what on i don't plan too far ahead i just don't um it's just like okay i'm happy now i'm okay now i just think about the near future maybe i do have long-term goals but i don't i try not to Think too far ahead and definitely don't think about the past. It's just today I feel like I'm in the right place. That's it.
2: Lovely put, Jasmine. Now, where can people get hold of you?
0: Um, they can either com or with Narva my Instagram or LinkedIn with my name, Jasmine Navarro.
2: Wonderful. Well we put that on the uh the bio. Jasmine, thank you so much for sharing your story with us and our listeners today. We really appreciate it and all the best with um, everybody you're working with in the future and um, all the best for your mum and for your brother.
0: Thank you so much, Kieran. It's a pleasure. And you're doing amazing work too.
1: Thank you very much. So that was Jasmine. Kieran. that was a really, really powerful interview, wasn't it? That I, I struggled with the, her concept that she had grief, which caused depression. But she she almost felt guilty from having that grief because this was her estranged stepfather. It was almost as if like you couldn't, she shouldn't, she didn't have the right to grieve for that person, which sounded really strange to me.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it was definitely very confusing for her when she was 18, you know, having to understand why she was feeling the way she did. What these emotions were and what can she do about them? And she clearly closed her body off closed her emotions off to anybody who could potentially help. You know, and one thing I always say to people, you know, as soon as you start talking, you're open. You're opening up a window of opportunity for somebody to grab you, to reach out and to support and to help. But if you're going to be closed,
1: then you're really restricting yourself from moving forward. I couldn't agree more. And I think the phrase that really, I'm paraphrasing what she said here, but the phrase that really got me was when she said, you know, and I've heard this from people when you're talking in your own head and I, somebody else I've heard say this is you wouldn't talk to anybody else the way that you talk to yourself and what goes through your own mind. You know, if you said that, if you spoke, if I spoke the way that I do in my own head to some of my friends, they would no longer be my friends. I wouldn't have a job. You know, it's it's crazy the way that we talk about talk in our own mind and, and don't find a release for that. It is. And we all do it. You know, we're all extremely self-critical. I'm very
2: self-critical, you know, to be perfectly honest. And I'm hoping that my children are not. I'm hoping that Mm. the students I teach are not. I'm hoping that the clients I work with are not. Because if we can change this, you know, and we can reframe this way of thinking, then, you know, we will all be better people for it. We'll be better husbands, better wives, better sons, better daughters, better friends, simply better people
1: when we talked about the toolkit and you know you you asked a very powerful question about what would you tell your 18 year old self you know she struggled with that answer so let's let's get the you know the virtual toolkit out what can you do what could people who are listening in the same situation what could they be doing
2: yeah it, it was definitely an area of the interview where there was lots of pause you know um but the reality is what worked for jasmine was Lots of self-awareness. She, she met herself aware of her feelings. She identified her feelings. She then separated these feelings from her physical body. We do something in coaching where we, we, you know, you, you literally take this, I call it the saboteur. You know, I call it the space invader. We've got different types of our personality, but a negative part of our personality within us, we need to break this part of our personality down, we need to separate it from us, we need to look at it in the eye, and we need to say, not today, my friend, Mm. because the stronger part of my personality, which I refer to as the wise wizard, is going to dominate you. And, you know, one thing I I do with clients, especially younger clients, to really enjoy this, is we literally kick this space invader off the cliff they can visually see the separation you're not in me anymore you don't have control over me anymore i am in charge and that's what jasmine done she took charge she took charge of her feelings her body and now she's reaping the, the rewards for that
1: well big thanks to jasmine for coming on to the show it's all we always appreciate i guess coming up and opening up so so much on these uh, and we hope that it has um, you know these lessons can be useful to our to our audience and, and those people who are listening um of course you can li- we'll put the links to jasmine uh, in the show but until next time kieran i will see you anon thanks so much andrew appreciate it